0: Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm a nutrition and exercise physiology professor, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder.
1: This, this is Phil Stevens. I'm a strength coach. I run Strength Guild, a um, competitive powerlifter, Highland games athlete. And with us today, um, like I kind of announced on Facebook and all the social media, it is Dave Tate. Dave, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's always good having you on. Um, just wanted to catch up and kind of see what you're up to now. Um, yourself, your business, and all that. So, what do you got going on? Same old, same old. <laughs> yeah. Everything.
2: The more things change, the more they stay the same, right? Yeah. Um, same as before. We're putting out content like crazy. You know, so we've increased what we're putting out probably by about thirty percent. Um, running close to a hundred articles a month. Um, to Two podcasts, but they've uh, acquired some more people to hired Mark Watts, who's doing a great job with us on the strength and conditioning side. He's worked as a strength coach for 20 years in the field, actually coaching athletes, not just saying he's a strength coach and right. working with one or two people, but actually working <laughs> for universities. Um, so he's helped us a lot as far as content, content generation and uh, leads for better content, um so we got a lot of things going on, on on the media side. On the product side we're always adding new products. I could spend a whole hour talking about that, but nobody really gives a shit when at the, the end of the day just go to the store, you can see what we have. Um what they wanna <laughs> what they wanna know is they wanna hear us talk about training and nutrition and other stupid things.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're true. What a salesman.
2: Hey I, hey, I, hey, I can plug away all day long, but that's not what the
1: people yeah. are, you know? <laughs> No. Uh, so what about your lifting itself? What are you working on now? Are you getting big again? Are you cutting down or
2: I'm well I don't know if you in February I had a total hip replacement.
1: Gotcha.
2: So I had a little bump in the road with that. Um so the first I mean there was a whole rehab process I had to go through, but right now my weight's higher than it's been in since two thousand five and it's a good thing. Uh I wanted to I like to challenge myself by kind of like pretending to be a closet bodybuilder half the year, and then being a closet powerlifter that can't hold the bar half the year. <laughs> so right now I'm kind of like in the closet powerlifter phase and pushing the strength up. So I'm about 290. My skin folds about 15%. So I'm not I'm not a fat I'm not a total fat ass yet, but I don't want to go any higher than what that is. Yeah. So I'm. For me, I'm holding well, but at the same time, I know I have, um, with a replaced hip and everything else is pretty much degenerating as well. I I really should not be walking around at 290 pounds, so this is probably going to be the last time I'm going to get this heavy. But I wanted to put back all the lean body mass that I had from a few years ago. And the last time I played bodybuilder and came down, I ended up being 220 because I lost way too much muscle. I didn't want to start dieting and trying to go through all that crap. Being two forty-five and probably eighteen percent right after surgery. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so that's kind of the game I've been playing.
0: So. So Dave, what does the hip replacement? What impact does it have on you? I mean, are you able to eventually work toward fairly big numbers again? Do you just not want that? Will the hip won't allow it, or or what?
2: I gave man, in two thousand when two thousand five when I walked away from powerlifting I gave up singles pretty much for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that I'm, I have no concern with that. Um, what I didn't know was I do like to lift heavy, but my heavy now is different because my heavy is going to be sets of six, sets of eight, but I want to be able to push that as hard as I can. Mm-hmm. I do have some restrictions with my hip. I'm six months post. Uh, surgery now. So the only restriction I really have is I I I, sh- I can't squat ass the grass and then turn my knee in. I can squat ass the grass. There's no problem with that range of motion. That's all fine. But as soon as you start torquing that knee in, I run the risk of popping the hip out of the joint.
0: Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So that's that's really the only thing. Everything else I've been pushing hard. Um, I just. A month ago I started to squat lower than uh, 90 degrees is what your restriction is for six months. So I was to me that's like a, it's 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 even a higher box than my normal high box. It was like a twenty four inch box, twenty three inch box. Last month I've been on go down to about a twenty. And so I've been squatting with the safety bar off of that and I've worked up to uh I don't know, I have four, six, six plates for six, six plates aside, and four plates and 10 chain aside for 15. So my strength right now, as far as it's probably higher than it's ever been from a repetition standpoint. Yeah. yeah. You know, the dumbbell presses and all that other stuff from a single standpoint, I have no basic comparison, but that's why I stopped doing singles when I retired from powerlifting. Cause I didn't want that basic comparison mm-hmm. because then you always know do, do I suck or do I don't I, I don't know if I suck or not yeah yeah, yeah. cuz I I changed every every indicator that I used to have when I was competing I I got rid of those so now I just know that I'm stronger than I've been mm-hmm. on the movements that I use now mm-hmm. so that's so that's good but I'm also 15% 290 and I should be um, yeah
1: but it's coming along
2: fine. It's just a little. I have some problems still with um, a single leg step up. There's still some weakness with some muscle firing. We think it's more nerve, and a lot of it's actually coming from the ankle that we're starting to find out right now as well. Um, but the hips, the hips, good. Um, shoulders fucked up, you know. But that's kind of the way it goes.
1: If I can ask, which because uh, I'm I'm lined up for a hip replacement too. Which hip do you, did you get? Did you get the they got the new ceramic one with the stainless, or which which did you go with? It's a
2: ceramic head, and titan- uh-huh. everything else is titanium.
1: Gotcha.
2: And okay. to, to go along with this, here, here's the, the shitty part about this. is, I retired from powerlifting because I was told my shoulder needed replaced, and I lost range of motion, so I can't grab the squat bar, and I really uh-huh. can't touch my chest when I bench. But I really don't have that much pain. Now, if I try to overhead press or if I, if I try to squat, yeah, I'm going to have pain. You know, I can't. If someone put my hand behind my back to do a lat spread, I'd punch them in the face. But <laughs> normal daily activities, there's no pain. So I'm sitting here thinking, yeah. man, I'm almost on 10 years since when they told me I needed a replacement. And I'm still good to go lifting what I, you know, training hard and lifting yeah. what I consider heavy for what I'm doing. And then in November, all of a sudden, my hips start feeling all weird. Like, yeah. What the fuck is wrong with my hip? And then over the next two weeks, the pain just got worse and worse. Wow. And I started going around for, I'd say, four months, actually November to February. I, I saw everybody. I had one, two, four MRIs done. I found out my back was fucked up. My hip was fucked up. My other hip's even more fucked up than the one that hurt. Um, I, I got to the point where I was ready to shoot myself. because I, Every time I went in to get an MRI... It was always bad. There was never anything good. Yeah. And um, so it took going through the gamblet for a while until I, they finally got a really clear x-ray, and it showed that my, my left hip, the, the femur, was so impacted into the joint that there were stress fractures into the, uh, mm-hmm. into the hip itself. Oh, wow. Okay. So the reason, the reason I'm stating this is I tried everything in my power to not have it done but the pain was so, and I can't even explain the pain unless, the only thing close to it would be, I had dry sockets one time when they had a tooth pulled, and I I, I would rather drive into a telephone pole and kill myself than have to live like that. <laughs> that that's how bad the hip got. I couldn't walk, and I could train, you know, I would still train legs because fuck it, it wouldn't hurt any worse.
1: Yeah.
2: And, uh, but it just, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't walk, and it's. I I got. I, was my, I have a high pain tolerance. It's just there was no other choice. Yeah. Anybody else, I tell them, if, if there's, if you can live with it, don't get a replacement. I you mean, know, it's just mm-hmm. the same thing any doctor will tell you. It's just. Yeah. It's not like one of those things. Oh, I'm going to go get my shoulder cleaned up. This is a brand new fucking hip. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, it, and it's got a limited time frame too. You know, it's. They told me I should get 15 years out of it, so I figure the way I train, I'll get five. Um, yeah. And if I can get if I can get 10, you know, I'll be good. But I learned a lot through the process from all the specialists. Most specialists, you know, are full of shit. But if you find the good ones, that my takeaway from it, and this is this is good for the readers because. Right now, mobility, flexibility, and we keep reading all this stuff, and I think it's got its place, but I also think it depends upon what type, who you're speaking to. If somebody tells me that their shoulder is all jacked up and their joint hurts and they're 20, then I'm going to say, yeah, you know, you probably need to try to look into doing some mobility, flexibility-type movements. If they're 40, I'm going to say, you need to go get an X-ray or an MRI. Because yeah. the, difference, the difference is usually with these injuries, usually when you're younger, it will be muscle, tendon, or ligament. And movement will help that because blood will help that. If it's joint degeneration and you're bone-on-bone or you have bone spurs or the joint's so full of arthritis, the worst thing you can do for that joint is yeah. more movement.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah one, the worst thing I... Go ahead. Yeah, so I spent six months doing this fucking doggy lifts and, you know, all this, and all I'm doing is grinding the shit out of my hip and probably, you know, I probably could have postponed the replacement six months, but hey, all the fucking internet experts are telling you, you got to do this for your mobility, but if it's bone, if it's in the bone and you're in, say you're 40, I'm just throwing 40 out as a general age, I think everybody should have it diagnosed, but there's a big difference between the treatment if it's in the actual joint itself, yeah. And everybody just assumes it's always muscle and tendon. Well, that's a big fucking assumption.
1: Yeah.
0: Hey Dave, let me ask you a question. So, you said that a lot of the specialists seem like they were full of shit. Were they willing to understand what you do? I mean, you're obviously a big guy, and you're going to ask a lot more out of this hip. You know what I mean? Did they get that, or are you so far in left field they can't even compute? No,
2: they everybody I went to, they got it. They got mm-hmm. it. Because mm-hmm. my fear was I knew I had back damage from years ago, and I knew I had something going on with my hip. So my, my logic was, well, I don't want to go see a back guy because I know what he's going to say. I don't want to see a hip guy so I know what he's going to say. So I went to just see a general sports back guy first. And he got it, and he just gave me shots of cortisone or whatnot. And, you know, it was it was kind of a waste of time. And when I finally went to see the the hip specialist at Serrano recommended the first thing he told me was I needed a replacement and that's when I said well we haven't even had my back looked at yet and I would say the key takeaway is you know if you're if you're a meathead and you look like a meathead do some do some research to know so when you walk into the office you can at least understand what they're talking about because you're gonna walk in there and they're gonna see you and they're gonna have a preconceived notion
0: right Yep.
2: You know, that your goal is to go back, and they did. You know, they thought my goal was to go back and squat 900 pounds. But within, you know, the first 5, 10 minutes, I explained what my expectations were, what I was looking for, if it was doable. You know, I knew enough about what was going on with the anatomy to be able to speak on their, you know, not at their level, but at least enough to not look like a complete meathead that's going to come in there and say, oh, fuck you, you're full of shit. Mm-hmm. Um and they're all gonna tell you you're not gonna come back. It's it's like part of their training. Um yeah. and it could be liability. You can't take that as a uh insult, you know, and you don't want to take it as motivation. You wanna take it for what it is. It's just his advice. He's he's that's what he does. He's a doctor, he's not a lifter. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but to keep in I also had Eric Serrano kinda guiding the process and telling me where to go. So the people Doctors that were going to are, work, are used to working with athletes. They, they, I did have to make my, my, my expectations clear, and that was no, I don't plan on squatting nine hundred pounds again. If I can do four hundred for twenty, I'm happy with that. And of course, to them, there's no difference between that and nine hundred pounds.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah.
2: But I, I do yeah. have a funny story though, and this is this is kind of meathead logic. The week before I went in to have surgery. I I used the safety bar with 315 and 5 chain aside. And it hurt. Oh my God, it hurt like a motherfucker. I did 10 reps. And it took, I mean, the bar's shaking. You can hear the chains, the chains are shaking like it's Christmas time. In the video, and it's just, the whole set's a complete disaster. I'm using a cane to get up to the bar.
1: (laughs) Then I drop the cane, then
2: I squat. And then it's just this huge shake fest. But every time I've ever had surgery, I always. I always wanted to go into surgery doing the best I possibly could, so that way when I start when I was doing rehab, I would know at what point now I'm better than I was, mm-hmm. you know, before I went in. Well, yeah.
0: well uh,
2: what was it? Six weeks. Six weeks post-op, I squat three fifteen with oh my five gosh. chains per side, and it's and it and I take it in. And it might have been eight weeks. It was, it was way too soon, let's put it this way. Um, so I go in and I show my surgeon. I'm like, man, you got to check this out. And he looks at my <laughs> phone, and he watches one rep, and he says, is that squatting? And I guess the bar kind of threw him off. Um, I said, yeah. And he handed it back. And he says, I don't want you doing that. I'm like, dude, you missed the There's, fifth, there's four. You watched one rep, man. There's 15. I'm, I'm like offended. <laughs> Hey, it's like, dude, this is your work. You did this. <laughs>
0: you should be proud of this.
2: Yeah, I, I told him, I said, take pride in this.
0: Yeah. And then
2: he, exp- then he explains to me that, you know, in the hip joint the, with the socket part, you know, the ceramic, the the femur head, it's not that breaking off or not real. That's probably not going to happen. But where yeah. they put that plate up there, they have to screw it into your hip joint. He says, "Now we got this titanium plate up there that we screw into the hip joint." It says, "Keep in mind, we're not using a 5 8 bolt like you would see on one of the power racks that you sell. We're using we're using a screw.
1: Right. You might yeah. use to
2: hang one of them pictures in your house. <laughs> you know the ones that your wife hangs those pictures up with, the real tiny ones.
1: Yeah.
2: This is even yeah. smaller than that. And at this stage, the bone hasn't even begun to absorb that plate yet." so it's just sitting there like a picture on a wall. Would you put 315 on that picture on your wall? And I sat down (laughs) and I thought, man, I am fucking stupid.
0: I am (laughs) really stupid.
2: (laughs) Meanwhile, you're all
0: stoked. You're all stoked to show him the good work. Yeah. (laughs)
2: So now I'm all confused because I'm thinking, well, now, wait a minute. I made sure to keep everything tight. So all the loads on the muscle. But at that point I backed off and and brought it back. I brought it back up later, but I thought it was funny because the guy wouldn't even look at my other 14 reps. It's like I did it just for him. <laughs> you know, I moved my I moved my squat work down <laughs> up. To Dave, It's crazy.
0: You know, you guys. But it, I've said this a thousand times, but in so many ways, what we learn in like exercise physiology, or I bet in rehab settings that's just such uncharted territory i almost want to do a case study just to show that it's even possible you know cuz i think you guys are literally outside of what anybody realizes could even be done you know cuz phil i you've made some incredibly fast comebacks after Cirque oh, okay. two. and uh it doesn't seem like it could even be possible like you're saying hanging 315 off of a picture frame you know and even though it's bad okay i get that but yeah, it's not good. But my God, you know what I mean? It's literally the kind of stuff that you could you could publish a science article on because it's completely uncharted. It's completely undocumented stuff. You know, that it can even be done at all.
2: You know, so the, that's... the 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 exercise science geek in me would love to see a study like that because the one thing that I really really do question myself about in my history is I. Uh, while competing all those years, I became very well known for coming back fast. You know, it's, I had shoulder surgery and I benched a PR four weeks later.
1: Oh my um, God.
2: Dave. I had my pec reattached and broke a PR four months after that. And all my, all my rehab was really, really aggressive. And mm-hmm. it, there's, you know, you deal with the pain and I had a process of how I would go through the rehab from the very beginning. I wonder now, you know, sitting here at 45, if a lot of the damage that I'm feeling when I wake up in the morning is just from the wear and tear that I did over the years, or is it from the fact that I had to rush it four more weeks more than what it really would have taken if I would have done it correctly?
0: Yeah. In other
2: words, am I paying for those four weeks now? Because if that's the case, that four weeks wasn't worth it.
0: Okay. Let me ask you both this then. I guess, Dave, first, since you're the guest, Um, you guys might even cringe at me even saying this, but is this the kind of stuff that's inevitable with the huge number, single rep kind of things that you guys do? I mean, you guys are heavily built guys, right? And you're struggling with some of this stuff. Is this what a young guy could or should expect in in his lifting career, that by, if he's putting up giant numbers, if he's good enough to be on the par, you know that you are, is this inevitable?
2: I, I'll answer it this way. I, what I found out with my hip, because with all the MRIs I have done, and the fact that my shoulder needs replaced, I do have a family history of joint degeneration. Okay, you know, my father had a shoulder replacement. My mom's getting her knee done today. My mom also had back surgery. She's had uh, her hip, both hips replaced. So I have a strong family history, and I also, from probably 1989 through 2006, walked around weighing between 290 and 300 pounds. So just from knee and hip damage, you have every repetition that you're walking, And you know as you get bigger and the the weightlifter's gait is not a natural gait. So when their foot's hitting, generally it's not going to sprawl and absorb the force like a normal foot would. You know, so it's going to go through to the knee and to the hip. Now you take those those factors and add it to the fact that you're doing heavy singles. With all three risk factors, most definitely something's going to end up getting replaced. Mm -hmm. You start to remove some of those risk factors then I don't know. You know, it's every lifter I know and that I grew up helping me has had something done.
0: Okay. Yeah.
2: Something joint related Mm -hmm. in their sixties or before they were 60. And most of them were 242 or above. Uh, The smaller lifters, I can't really speak for. I mean, the smaller lifters seem to be, they're, they're like the, the run on the litter. You know, while you're at the meat, they live first, nobody really pays attention, you know, all this other stuff. But they can last forever, and they don't seem to take the pounding. So I don't know if it's the singles or if it's the actual load. You see what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
2: So I don't don't know the answer.
0: Okay. Hey, guys, uh, let's go to break real quick, and when we come back, we'll do that topic. I'll I'll start with a news blurb, and and, uh, I've got some questions for both of you. How about that? Hi, this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show. Uh, if you simply Google CRC Press and protein, uh, there's a new development on the right side of the page. You can see ebook, and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now. Because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for sixty-nine US dollars. So that's thirty-one percent off the ninety-nine ninety-five uh cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. Sixty-nine dollars, I think that's gonna drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people, and you can even rent it. Uh, lower down the page, they have hundred and eighty day rentals and one year rentals. So you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So thanks.
2: This is Jim, owner of the longest locally owned gym in Winona, The Boardwalk, which I'm proud to say now has the most variety of cardiovascular machines. Our latest
0: addition: four new lifetime ellipticals. Easy on the joints, low impact on the knees, while getting a full body workout at our same unbelievable low prices. Get one year less than $17 per month. And want to keep your tan going all summer?
1: Say you heard this ad and get 12 tans for only $29.95. Only at the Boardwalk. With an alive sound system, we're not just a gym, we're an experience.
0: Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Welcome back listeners. It's Phil and Lonnie and we're with Dave Tate. And uh, we're going to switch gears a little bit and we're going to address a topic that's based on a news blurb. So I'm going to start with the news blurb and you'll see what I mean. Uh, another professor at work gave me this and, um, uh, this is from USA Today, uh, September 24th. It says, first diet soda, now diet fries. Apparently, Burger King has these new fries called Satis fries. Okay. So, something for Dave to, Dave to chow on while he's re- rehabbing here, maybe. Um, it says, Burger King unveiled simple but startling French fry innovation fries with 30% less fat, apparently, 40% less fat than the McDonald's fries. Uh, they're making them crinkle-cut. They're not putting anything weird in them. They're just somehow reconfiguring them so they soak up less oil. Um, it says all Burger Kings in North America are now selling them, these Satchis fries. Again, same potatoes, same oil, uh, et cetera. It says um, one out of two Burger King guests order fries, and that's roughly 56 million orders of fries every month. And uh, it says a small serving of the fries uh, weighs in at 270 calories and 11 grams of fat versus the old 340 calories and 15 grams of fat, uh, for a small fry. And then this is what got me thinking, at least. It says, it's not realistic to ask people to replace their fries with carrots or celery sticks, says Carrie Gans, a registered dietitian hired by Burger King. So what that brought to my mind was, is that bullshit? Uh, at what level is something realistic behaviorally? I mean, we have, we have artificial sweeteners, you know, we have low fat potato chips, we've got steam vapor cigarettes, for God's sake. Uh, all this stuff, is it a crutch? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, as far as what's realistic? She's saying it's not realistic to take people's fries. So, what are your thoughts about this stuff? Is it a crutch? or is it a good compromise to get people eating better? Or for, for that matter, you, we could apply this to lifting and that sort of thing as well. I don't know.
2: I, I'm still trying to figure out how 800 calories a month is going to be a significant difference in anybody's diet.
0: Amen. <laughs> hey I got the same thing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Especially to, <I> mean, like,
0: <laughs> go, no, go
1: ahead. Well, no, I mean, it's just proven how lazy the population is in my opinion. I mean, it's, and I don't know. I mean, it, it's, I'm on the side where if you're going to eat a fry, eat a, a fry. You know, I mean, if I'm going to go have ice cream, I'm not going to go have low-fat, you know, ice yogurt. I'm going to have some fucking ice cream.
0: Right, right. <laughs> right. yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, eat my broccoli and steak the rest of the time or whatever. You know, whatever fits my goals. And I I don't know. I mean, I think it just shows just just that. I mean, I, I mean, they're... It's another one of those things, you know, the, the public, were too weak to make our own choices. So, here, you need to eat this instead. Mm-hmm. You know, because the general populace just can't make smart decisions for themselves.
0: Well, I, I've always said the same thing about, like, the holiday season. You know, people talk about doing recipe rehab with their Thanksgiving meal and stuff. I'm like, are you kidding me? You know what I yeah. mean? I want to have real gravy. I want to have real butter. I mean, Thanksgiving is a time for enjoying the food, you know, and not being guilty about it. I think people make their mistake, of course, when they... It's a constant stream of parties and cookies and take-home crap for, like, a month and a half, maybe.
1: Well, so know, that's the thing.
0: Between, you know, what is it, that Thursday in November
1: and the 25th of December, there are two days you're supposed to eat that. Right. And people mm-hmm. we'll turn that into 35, 40 days. And so they just run all the way through the new year. Right. And then they all right. start on the first type of thing. Yeah. Um. Even with those two
2: days, though, I mean, Thanksgiving, for most people, that meal's not a bad meal. I mean, you, guys yeah. always, uh, you can have dark meat or light meat, so you go with the light meat. You can have – most people have, you know, potatoes and rice. I mean, hell, of, I've dieted through a lot of Thanksgivings and had, you know, turkey and rice. How's that yeah. it, any yeah. different than chicken Vegetables, right. You know, and vegetables, you know, it's all right there. Um, but I think we're falling back more on, you know, the the woman's perspective of, you know, can can a company take away her fries? And, you know, a company can pretty much do whatever they want to do. It's She's got the reality of, well, you know what, don't go to Burger King. Go to McDonald's. You know, yeah. I, I don't, I, I'm having a hard time because I'm seeing this from so many different angles. You know, I'm seeing it from a, from a business perspective that Burger King's trying to yeah. increase sales, you know, through this false reality that their food's going to actually help you. Lose weight because yep. it's now going to be healthy, even though it's cooked in the fucking bat of grease.
0: Right. Um, yep.
2: Yep. I mean, we should be telling them, you know, should you have this fry or that fry? The message is just stay the fuck out of the restaurant. You know, you can run through a grocery <laughs> store deli just as fast as you can run through Burger King. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the, the the public's just, they're, they're not going to do that. Um, I'm trying. Then I'm also looking at it from the perspective of, you know, the training aspect, where, you know, say you take somebody who says, if you follow this program, you're going to get this result, compared to if you follow this program, you're going to get this result. It's the same thing as changing the fries. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. somebody's perception or their reality is going to be based upon what somebody else is telling them instead of based upon what they know for themselves and trusting their gut. I think everybody that hears that story about the fries in their gut at some level knows something's not right here. You right. know what I'm saying? Something, yeah, on the not surface,
0: right. it almost looks like they're trying to do something healthy. And like you said, there's always that bottom line that they're going to think about. Of course they are. You know, I mean, I've been, to, oh, yeah. I've been to conferences, nutrition conferences, and, you know, you get companies like sometimes like Pepsi or... McDonald's or one of these companies and, you know, they're really kind of pushing this exercise agenda because they know that if if you exercise a lot, maybe it'll offset some of this, you know. But they're always trying to stay, like, uh, keeping their paws in some of the healthy kind of thing. But, you know, on the flip side, you could look at this like a crutch. I mean, you're, you're feeding people's old habits, you know. I don't think anybody seriously doubts that fries are somehow a treat, you know, they're not necessarily good for you. I mean, Americans eat them like a staple, don't get me wrong. But yeah. breaking those kinds of habits, I, I mean, I could see the opposite school of thought from what this dietitian said, and that's exactly what they need, is take a month and just, like you said, go to a deli or have some freaking vegetables instead uh, and yeah. break a habit a little bit. Well, well yeah,
1: I, I was just going to say, you know, if Burger King really wanted to step out there, they they do away with fries and like serve steamed broccoli. But they know they'd lose customers. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. <Okay. laughs> you know, well they can, yeah. They could take this fake fake healthy fry and oh, now they're gonna gain customers because now I can go order the extra large fry and it's just as many calories oh, as the small that's fry. A good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah they're I mean,
0: most bigger.
2: Most most of fast food places now have their supposed healthy alternatives, but it what 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 you're speaking about is even if they—if you go to McDonald's and you get the salad and you know the chicken breast and you throw the bun away and you know you—you you make healthy choices there at McDonald's. You're still not breaking that pattern. You're still going to the Golden Arches. Yeah. And yeah. what what needs to happen if somebody does want to get in shape and to lose weight? They need to quit going there.
0: Right. That, yep. that,
2: regardless of how much they exercise and how much. Pepsi and everybody else pushes the exercise agenda. They're not burning enough calories in their half-hour workout to even come close.
0: Right. To That's right.
2: The forty calories they're going to save on the frickin' French fries.
0: Yeah. You know it's
2: it's
1: it's. It, I mean it's, it's the whole thing's a complete disaster. So. Well, and
2: that comes yeah. back
1: to this, you know, what the lady said though. Is is it unrealistic to ask people to make those changes? I don't think it's unrealistic. Are they going to do it? No, probably not. But that's, you know, I think they should be asked to.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> sometimes know? I try to think about what's the commonality among any of us really, like with, when it comes to lifting and that sort of thing. You know, like by the same token, you could say just like it's not realistic to get people to eat carrot sticks. Maybe it's not realistic to have people go lift heavy weights. You know what I mean? Some of the examples that we see on YouTube or blogs or the Internet – it's always these elite performers doing crazy stuff. And, you know, the average person is like, well, I can't do that. So they don't even try, you know. So yeah. what do you do with the gen pop kind of person to, you know, uh, do you provide a crutch? Do you do half-ass lifting for them? Do you cater to them? Or do you say, listen, this is how we do it. This is how big boys do it, you know. Uh, what do you think about that?
2: I think that this is the one thing. Lesson that I've learned over the years is to realize that you're always a hypocrite, you know. So I can sit here and tell somebody, hey, look, you're going here to McDonald's and you're going to eat this and it's unhealthy and it's going to kill you or you're going to go here or this is going to screw you up. Meanwhile, I'm in the gym killing myself, you know, lifting weights that are way beyond what yeah. my structure and my physical capacity right now really should be handling. Mm-hmm. You know, so because I'm that hypocrite, I gotta watch a little bit on how I how I give information if somebody's going to ask. You know, if if they want to begin an exercise program, you know, I have to preface it by saying, Look, you don't need to do what all these other people are doing or you don't need to do what the current trend is. What you need to do first and foremost is establish a habit. I don't care if it's just going outside and walking for 20 minutes, do that for six weeks, then we'll talk about going Mm -hmm. to a gym, changing a diet. Find something simple to do to start a healthy lifestyle that's a habit that you can actually change and accomplish for a long enough period of time for that to establish. Otherwise, you're just beating your head against the wall because they're going to go in with false impressions and everything else, so they're going to end up getting hurt. By doing too much, it seems now what we have where people are doing too little, or they go to the other extreme and they're doing way too much,
0: right well, it's like yeah. I said, Phil, that I feel that news blurb. did you see the um about Uncle Rabdo and all that sort of oh, stuff? yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and some of the they're trying to get away from some of those images, you know, or like the t shirts like you know what is it uh my warm up is your workout, you know, and that sort of stuff where it's it's almost this machismo. You know, if you're not beating the hell out of yourself, then you're wasting your time. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, I I, I
2: do think that message is kind of filtering out, and it's going to deter a lot of people. And the 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 problem in America isn't the people who are exercising. You know, generally they're eating okay. The problem are the ones that aren't. You know, those are the ones that need to become motivated and get moving with whatever they're going to do. You know anything yeah. will work. Um, looking at you know an advanced athlete or an advanced strength athlete, you know I don't per, I don't think, I don't think we're the ones to, to disseminate the information. If you want my honest opinion, yeah. You know I think the ones to disseminate the information need to be you know people like yourself that are in a position that are educated and know how to speak to people because you do that on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. On that level, it can communicate on that level. I think you get the advanced lifter, bodybuilder, powerlifter, whoever it is, and then they try to disseminate that information. They can pollute that person, and they're never going to do it again. They're never going to do anything because they're going to think they've got to eat chicken breast and rice every
1: meal.
0: That's right. Instead of progression, you know, when I see stuff like this where it says uh, it's not realistic to have people eat celery sticks, well, I don't think any realistic pr- – anybody's going to do that. Like you said, it's, you're going to be a – You can take the same model that you do with exercise. I see so many parallels with eating and exercise, but you can take the same progression model. You know, like maybe you do have, like Phil says, you just eat the fries. If you like fries, eat your frickin' fries. But every time you do that, you know, for every uh, sort of naughty thing, you eat something good. You know, you do have some broccoli or some lean meat or whatever, vegetables, whatever. You know what I mean? And then you can sort of... Progress instead of jumping all the way to straight broccoli sticks. I'm, I'm not, oh, yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah, I
2: mean the, the whole the whole discussion is kind of exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, they're saying you know, it's either fries or celery. Like, you know what? How about just eating half the fries? Eat the small fries. You know, how many calories yeah. are in the small fries compared to the fries that just came out? With? Right. You know, or you can you can throw half yeah. the fries away. It's okay. Right. You know I know, I know, I know people are starving in other countries, but you can throw half the fries away.
0: Hey Dave, that's the same thing I, I was just talking about the holiday <laughs> season. It's the same thing, like, you take home some cookies from a, a business party or something. It's like, you know, I don't want to waste them. It's like, th- that's worth, like, 37 cents, you know? Just throw it <laughs> away. Throw it away. Yeah.
1: And it's <laughs> not going to get sent to Africa. It's just, well,
0: that's right. That's
1: your, or, and that goes right back to the building habits, but, uh, you know, and that's... You know, it's the same thing I see here. You know, I have people walk in the facility, and usually I know, you know, they come in. Okay, they might come back. If they come for a month and they come three or four days a week for a month, I know I got them. Exactly. They're here now. Mm-hmm. Before a month's up, it's like, it, once the, well, it's actually once they pay for that second month, I know I got them. And they're going to be here a year at least, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, because now they're hooked. And, no, you don't start them off. They're in here training with powerlifters and, and baseball players and this and that, but they're not doing the same thing. You know, it they're makes, just learning how yeah. to move. You know, they're learning how to move, and, but they get to be in that atmosphere. And I've seen it probably 15, 20 times now. After six months, they're like, hey, I want to do that now. You know, it's okay for them. At the first day, they were scared of it, and now well, they've been doing this regular thing for six months. And now they're like, hey, I want to take this to the next level. I'll let them make that
0: choice. You know, Phil,
1: let me... You know, like, the other day, I yeah, saw so one of my clients was staring at my powerlifting board where I have the you know the powerlifters workout up. And I was like, what, you want to try that? And he's like, yeah, I think I'd like to one of these days. I was like, well, let's do it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're six months in. Let's try it. You
0: know. so, what, so my last question is sort of off that, which is what's common among people who are lifers, you know, in the gym? Do you think it's a socialization process like that? Do you think it's a... Uh, personality, people are just drawn toward it, you know what I mean? Because I think there's a lot of people who out there in the fitness world, you know, they don't go get fries every day, and they're actually okay with it. You know, is that something that they learn, or they're they're just a- aggressive by nature? I mean, probably the answer is both, right? But yeah. what do you think? About I think it?
2: I think what's common is it becomes their outlet. Yeah. You know, some people have golf, some people will, you know, play cards with their friends. Some people, I mean everybody's got their their outlet, their escape from 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 reality, from their normal life. You know, from work, their kids, their wife, you know, and you know, for me training is that void, it's my escape from all of that. It's always been that way since I was a child. It was my way out of all the bullshit. It was my, my safe place, you know, my happy place, and so forth. Um, so I think it's the people who become the lifers are the ones that are training for non-fitness reasons. Yep. You know, yeah. they're training because it's their it's it's their it's their place to be away, to be alone. You know, to to beat themselves if they need be. You know, to torture themselves to release stress. Um, that's the only commonality that I see. And this is even, before I started the company, I worked for eight years as a personal training coordinator in a health club with all 100% normal people. There were no athletes whatsoever. And that's what I saw. Yeah, that's what I saw amongst the clients that were my long-term clients is there was always something. Either it was like they were a type A personality and they had to be moving. They had to get the energy out. And this provided that outlet or it was a stress and it was their break from that. And, you know, to keep them coming, I had to learn, you know, sometimes I had to learn a little bit about their profession so they could, you know, so there would be some common link to be able to keep them coming. But that first month, it's filled, so that's the hardest one because you're trying to keep that habit coming and you don't want to deter it. And for some people, it latches on You know, and it becomes an outlet for somebody else. It might be golf. It it could be something completely different. And looking down the road, the only scary thing is what happens if 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 your main reason for training isn't physical reason. What happens when it's taken away? Because that's the reality every one of us is going to face at some point in our lives. No, that's right. Unless we die. Unless we die in the gym. You know. Yeah. Is there will come a time we will not physically be
1: able to walk into a gym. Yeah.
0: I know, that's yeah, the kind that's of a... thing you're almost in denial. Like, you don't you try not to think <laughs> about it too much, you know.
1: Mm hmm.
2: Yeah. I mean, what happens then? You know, because that's when your mental strength is going to really be tested.
0: Oh, it is, because what you've just done is you've, in a sense, you've lost a huge chunk of your central identity, you know, oh, um, yeah. that sort of w- inner warrior kind of thing that you can't feed anymore. Uh, I don't know, you, maybe you teach others or you modify what you're doing, you know, I, I don't know. But Yeah, th-
1: I mean, essentially you've just lost something that hopefully you've been doing for
0: 40, 50, 60 years.
1: I, mean, I, you know, yeah.
2: I, mean, I went through the transition when I had to quit competing, and that was hard. But I found yeah. a way to modify and keep going on, <clears> but, you know, with the hip and all the other stuff, you know, like, you know, at some point in time, I'll probably have two replacements, two hip replacements, two shoulder replacements, and you know what am I going to do? You know, so yeah. now I have these conversations with guys that are sixty-five years old, and they just kind of go in the gym and coach, and they don't even train anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to figure out how what keeps you going in there, because I don't know if I could do it. You know, is is that enough? Yeah. Does that does that free your mind enough so you don't go insane?
0: Exactly. You know, well, so, just back to the whole you know, uh, as we wrap up here, the whole realistic thing. I think what you're getting at is, in a way, is everybody, when they're early in their career, like Phil says, that first month or so, they're deciding, is this realistic for me? Is this something that I can actually do? And then when you progress to the level that, that you guys have with powerlifting, for example, or look at some of the bodybuilders, you know, they really do live on celery and chicken breasts, you know, and that doesn't, that's not even realistic at the beginning. But I think there's this indoctrination process you know what I mean, and it's no wonder people think bodybuilding, especially, is weird. I mean, they, I suppose a lot of people think powerlifting is sort of out there too, uh, but these things aren't realistic at the beginning. They do probably start off with, you know, the analogy being these satis fries, but then they move into, uh, you know, more and more hardcore things, I guess. You know, and That's and then right. once you're com- once you're comfortable there, it's hard to go back, I guess. I,
2: I got a question I want to throw out to you because I think you might know the answer to this, and it's just an observation that I've seen. It seems like from that habit standpoint, looking at the extremes from the bodybuilders and the powerlifters and strength athletes, the strength athletes and powerlifters that I've seen that have retired, for the most part, the majority of them never go to the gym again. Their, any healthy lifestyle they had is gone. They
0: mm-hmm. don't do anything.
2: They just become the whatever. They just move on in their life. Bodybuilders, on the other hand, from what I've seen, the majority of those, them when they decide to quit stepping on stage, they still maintain a really healthy lifestyle. Would you? Yeah, would I would agree with agree? that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I or you might even say some of them can't let go. Yeah, <laughs> you know they they're um, almost. Well, even competing and that sort of thing, when maybe you know you you go to the show and you're like, well, maybe it's time not to do that anymore. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm not this saying that place. older guys shouldn't do that necessarily, but uh, I think it's partly because it's so woven into their their persona in a way, and I don't know if that's different. Again, I'm not a power lifter, so it's one thing to move heavy weights up and down in a performance kind of way bodybuilders when when they're on stage in a lot of ways that's them you know that's that's who you are and uh i don't know a lot of the guys just can't let go I, maybe in a, it's a, in a good way like you're saying they can transition to something more healthy i mean i'm in my mid 40s too and uh this doesn't sound like a big number to you guys but i'm only 59 you know and i mean i used to walk around at 230 in the, in the off season and then i knew what it was like to have 4% body fat too and that's not always going to happen you know that well, forever. So I, I. It could be too that you know a lot in
1: the in the strength sports it's it's the activity. You know, in bodybuilding they can still uh, yeah look at me I, I can still get lean I can still get that I'm a little old to step on stage, but I can still do this. Whereas you know you got that guy that squatted 900 pounds and now he can only you know he's he's hitting seven and it's hard because he's getting old. Yes, and it's like well what's yes. the point? I can only do seven. I might as well just quit. Now, couldn't you argue? Yeah. No. What about eight? You had a standard set. Like you had a standard set, David. Now you just don't do that. You know, they didn't move away. They didn't create a new standard. What an interesting perception, right. because we're tying
2: back into the original question, which is the sense of reality. Yeah. I think that the strength athlete, at least with myself, I knew there came a time when I was too beat up to ever be able to break my records. Yeah. I knew in my mind for a fact it was not going to happen.
0: So you changed and your goals.
2: I had to. I physically, I had to. Maybe for the bodybuilder, they always think they got one more show left.
0: Yeah, I can see that.
2: You yeah. know, so they, you may not want to do it, so say in your mind yourself. You know, you may not want to do it, but you know, if you wanted to, you could get on a master's stage if you wanted to. You right. You know what I'm saying? Where the strength athlete, if, be, if, if they hit that point where they know, you know, physically maybe that's what it is, is the reality of one is it's over. And the yeah. reality of the other one is I mean I I still know a lot of power lifters that are in their fifties that still think they got one more big meat left. Yeah. You
1: know.
2: You know yeah, And they might, but the, the the fact is they don't but you know, they 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 might.
0: But if well, there's also there's some subjectivity in, in the bodybuilding side of things too. like in power lifter lifting. There's a hard number staring you in the face, you know, that you can't exceed anymore. And in bodybuilding, there's always this, well, maybe I'll just, I can't be quite as big. Maybe I'll get more lean or maybe, you know, I don't know. There's, it's sort of subjective and almost an art form in a way. And I think that, that holds out some hope maybe. And that's why some of the guys, they, they like to stay in shape afterwards. The guys that are the most mature, they usually transition into something like Lee Labrada owns his own successful business. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got, I've got my professorship. There's something mm-hmm. else that you can really throw yourself and be damn good at. That's no longer the competitive arena. And some guys don't have that. And I think those are the guys that suffer the most as far as their identity and that sort of thing.
1: Like the guy living in the van on the bigger, yeah. faster, stronger movie. I was just thinking of that Phil. <laughs> I think he was screwed beforehand, though. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right? anybody
2: Anybody that goes to that extent usually isn't going to make it to the top. Yeah. yeah. All right. You know,
1: usually right. they'll
2: get, they'll be more resourceful than that to be able to get to where
1: they need to be. <laughs>
0: yeah. So. All right. Are we? Uh, yeah, we're about we're
1: there. We're time. like
0: 53 minutes. So. Well, thanks for coming on, Dave.
1: Very cool. Very cool. Always, always enjoy it anytime. Everybody go check out Elite FTS. Uh, always some good content coming up. Like Dave said, a couple podcasts rolling. What was it, 100 articles a month or something like that? Yeah, it's
2: something like that. 10, 90, 90 that? to 100. There's there's something every
1: day. Let's just put it that way. No. And okay. you know
0: what? I really bad. We're talking about joints. I need some elbow sleeves. I need knee wraps. I need everything. I'm I'm just going to have to come visit you. Your stuff online. <laughs> Living neoprene.
2: I call I call it my raw gear. Living neoprene.
0: Yep. yep. That's right. That's
2: right. <laughs> it makes the world different. <laughs>
0: right.
2: Next 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 time we talk, I'll probably be wearing a scuba suit. <laughs> <laughs> <Whip suit. laughs> yeah, just, just to gym and trade arms. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right i'll see you guys later all right, thanks all right. a lot later. <laughs>
1: later.
0: <laughs> iron radio is accepting donations if you like what we do the professors the scientists the bodybuilding show promoters Hey, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek, only for Iron Radio listeners. At this point, if you Google CRC Press Lowry L-O-W-E-R-Y and protein, you can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes. Everything on the safety of high protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types practical applications and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the state of the art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best this is the ultimate source in one place little disclosure here i do make a single digit percentage of royalties on this book it's such a low amount however obviously i've done it for that purpose i did it because like you i want to have something i can hold up in one place that's modern literature instead of what perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns if there are any on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours thank you